Hey, this happens, right? I mean, just recently, one of our great physician assistants sent me a message. A patient had a pelvic transvaginal ultrasound and found that her intrauterine device, while in the endometrial cavity, was not in the fundal position. So what do we do? Do we remove it entirely to prevent contraceptive failure? Do we try to move it back up, push it into the fundal area? Or do we just leave it alone? Well, there's data for that. Let's cover that now. Look, you know it's not unusual to get a report back from radiology from a patient that was sent for a pelvic ultrasound, sometimes for a totally different reason, like a suspected adnexal mass, but the report then comes back with the IUD being in a mid or low level position within the endometrial cavity. Well, what do we do with that? Well, for sure, that kind of result raises some dilemmas and some questions by all providers. Will this IUD still be effective for contraception? If it's being used for management of abnormal bleeding, like the 52 milligram levonorgestrel IUS, will it still work? Is it a higher risk for expulsion? And should we remove it, push it up into the fundus, or just leave it alone? A survey of providers in the United Kingdom and Australia revealed that in fact, there is some level of uncertainty about what to do. Listen to these numbers. About 90% of providers stated they would remove and replace a copper IUD that was totally or partially in the cervical canal, and that makes sense. But only 45% would replace the copper IUD if it was more than 2 centimeters below the fundus, and only 10% would remove it if it was 1 to 2 centimeters below the fundus. These numbers were similar for the levonorgestrel IUS. Respondents also had divided opinions as to whether low-lying IUDs cause bleeding, pain, or were at higher risk of failure. Well, what does the data show? Let's see. All right, let's cover first one of the biggest fears and concerns from both providers and patients, and that's a risk of pregnancy. Well, what we seem to know from the data is that it actually depends on the type of IUD in use and its specific location. For the asymptomatic patient, though data are limited, the available literature suggests that malpositioned, specifically cervically located, which makes sense, copper IUDs just may pose an increased risk of pregnancy. In a prospective study, authors compared 97 women who had a multi-load copper IUD in place compared with 25 women in whom pregnancy was discovered and who had the IUD. They found a greater occurrence of intracervical IUDs among those pregnant women with an odds ratio of close to 14. However, there's a caveat to this study. All right, here is a caveat. Does pregnancy or the malpositioned IUD come first? The studies up to date have not been able to clarify if it is the low placement of the IUD that led to the increased risk of pregnancy or if pregnancy itself caused the IUD to become malpositioned. It's also not known if other types of malpositioning, like arms extending into the myometrium, are associated with any greater risk of pregnancy. 
Finally, because there are no prospective studies that have followed that cohort of women with IUDs in situ, but which IUDs are kind of low, it's unable to assess true pregnancy risk. Once again, we do not have any real data on the absolute risk of pregnancy with a malpositioned IUD in place, although expert opinion states that it is likely very small. But here's what we do know. The IUD type makes a difference. Let's cover that next. IUD types make a difference. Here's the clinical pearl. The levonorgestrel IUS does not appear to pose the same risk of pregnancy as copper IUDs if malpositioned. The levonorgestrel systems prevent pregnancy primarily through hormonal effects on the cervical mucus, the endometrium, and remember, some cycles can be anovulatory. It seems that the local field effects of levonorgestrel are likely adequate for contraception, even if the device is not at the fundus, as long as it's somewhere in the uterine cavity. Now, this hypothesis was supported by a kind of a neat trial, and it was randomized in which researchers compared the efficacy of an intracervical device that released the same dose of levonorgestrel as a levonorgestrel-releasing IUS. This study actually demonstrated no difference in pregnancy rates between the intracervically and the fundally positioned devices affirming the idea that this is a local field effect rather than just positional for the levonorgestrel IUS. Now, another concern is that a lower-placed IUD represents risk for expulsion. Although two small studies have suggested that IUDs positioned more than about 5 millimeters from the fundus might have a higher risk of expulsion, most downward-displaced IUDs are not expelled. Removal and replacement of downward displaced IUDs for the purpose of preventing expulsion would actually result in a large number of unnecessary removals. Also, studies have shown that not all downwardly displaced IUDs remain so. Here's a strange clinical pearl. The vast majority of IUDs that are downwardly displaced shortly after insertion move to a fundal position within three months. So again, that's a clinical pearl. However, in order to give the patient some comfort if they desire removal because the IUDs, especially if it's a copper IUD, if it's low in the cavity, that should be removed and another one immediately replaced to prevent a gap in contraceptive coverage. All right, before we get to the end of the podcast and cover four specific options that we have in dealing with the non-fundal IUD, we have to remind ourselves of an important fact. The greatest risk for pregnancy may be unnecessary removal of an IUD. Now, in a recent case control study, Bratton and colleagues compared 182 women with malpositioned IUDs noted on ultrasound with 182 women found to have normally positioned IUDs. An important finding in this study was that women initially found to have a malpositioned device had a higher rate of pregnancy in the subsequent two years. However, that higher pregnancy weight was due to higher rates of IUD removal without replacement of another highly effective method of birth control. So that's a clinical pearl. 
while findings from earlier studies suggest that there may be a slightly increased risk of pregnancy with the mouth position copper IUD that's left in situ compared to those that are in the fundus. The study demonstrated that the real-life risk of pregnancy was with removal and not replacing with another method that's highly effective. So, clinicians, we need to be cognizant of this risk prior to removal of a malpositioned IUD and try to ensure that if it's malpositioned and if it's a copper T and if it's removed, it is quickly replaced with another highly effective form of contraception like another IUD or the subdermal implant. All right, let's wrap this up by giving four different options of management in these conditions. The first deals with a patient that is probably symptomatic from the malpositioned IUD. If patients present with symptoms that may be attributable to a malpositioned device like bleeding or pain, the device should be removed and the patient should be offered immediate replacement or immediate initiation of another highly effective long-acting contraceptive method. Many women will show improvement in their symptoms if the malposition device is replaced with one that is correctly placed. There is an option here to place it under ultrasound guidance if desired. The second scenario deals with the asymptomatic patient that has a malposition levonorgestrel IUS. In these patients, when the device is still in the cavity, this can be expectantly managed. She may be offered replacement if she desires, but remember, the data show that if the IUS is still in the endometrial cavity, and even if it's low by the cervix, the hormonal field effect will still function. The third scenario is with the asymptomatic patient that has a malpositioned copper IUD. These patients should be counseled that she is potentially at higher risk for pregnancy than if she would be if her IUD were correctly positioned. But the risk cannot be quantified easily, but it is likely lower than the risk of pregnancy associated with most forms of short-acting contraception like the pill. She should be counseled that IUD replacement or removal and immediate initiation of another highly active form of contraception can be done, but that the risk of expectant management is also an option if she desires and repeating the ultrasound at another time, like in four to six weeks, to make sure the device has either not migrated back into correct position or migrated further and risk expulsion. The last scenario has to do with the possibility of pushing the IUD back up into the endometrial cavity under ultrasound guidance. These are usually small abstracts and case reports that have shown it to be effective and possible. On a personal anecdotal note, I have done that and it has been successful under ultrasound guidance and under mild paracervical block. However, if the provider is not comfortable or experienced in that type of procedure, of course, it should not be done. So there it is. What to do with a non-fundal IUD depends on the type of IUD. It seems, based on good data, that the levonorgestrel IUS is much more forgiving and it can be left in place. 
However, the data does show that with a copper IUD that's cervically or very low in the endometrial cavity, that in theory may increase the risk of pregnancy, although that higher risk is still probably quite small. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on Clinical Pearls.